Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. I sure that you did if you were a Wisconsin sports fan because you had the Bucks sweeping, you had the Brewers winning. They've won five straight. Uh, so you have to be feeling good about the vibes here in Milwaukee. Yeah, there's that Aaron, little Aaron Rodgers thing, but yeah, well, nothing's probably going to change. Uh, we'll start with the Bucks and talk about the sweep. We'll talk about the Nets and look ahead there. And then we will talk about Aaron Rodgers and why today, while it changes his contract structure, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. And then we will talk about the Brewers, what they did this weekend, and kind of looking ahead and knowing that this is the push and why the Brewers kind of righted the ship at the right time. So we'll talk about all of that today. Um, Good show to get us back into the groove. So the Milwaukee Bucks are have moved on. They are the only team in the playoffs to have swept their opponent. Everybody else will be playing a game five. Now the NBA loves that, obviously. Um, but the the Milwaukee Bucks were the only ones to sweep. And the Milwaukee Bucks flipped a switch that I didn't really knew existed on Saturday afternoon. So the Bucks really did not play well in the first half. It was probably their worst half of the playoffs. I think the first half of the first game was rough, but the Bucks defense was really good in that. That first half that I was like, ah, it's all right. The defense here was porous. Um, they allowed 64 points. They did not really look like the team I think we've seen all throughout the playoffs. And as Drew Holiday noted to the media before the game and others, elimination games are, are tough. Elimination games are really tough to sort of make sure you're in that right headset. You know, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? I know it's another sport, but they haven't won an elimination game since 2004. They are completely inside their own heads with this, and it it almost feels like a curse. Before the Milwaukee Bucks, they didn't have to worry about any of that nonsense because they got it done. And they flipped a switch that was just incredible to see. And I don't even really know how it started. It just seemed like the Bucks were like, all right, we're done with this series. And we're ready to move on to bigger and brighter things with the Brooklyn Nets. And that's what we saw in the second half. And just a dominant run by Milwaukee. Giannis ended up finishing with a triple-double. Giannis didn't really even play that well in the first three quarters of the game and then Giannis kind of took over at the end and was a similar fashion of like all right let's just bury these guys and the the fact that the Bucks are at this point where they can kind of flip a switch almost Warriors-esque back in the day is really scary for the rest of the NBA because the Bucks the Bucks are something else man and I think that more and more people are starting to understand that this basketball team is really fucking good and that they are peaking at the right time, as we noted on the podcast Friday, I believe. Um, it, it's it's just a great time to A, be a Bucks fan, B, be on board. My dad was like, you're too invested in this because I'm like telling him like the Brooklyn series is going to take years off my life. And that, that could be true, yes. But the fact is, is like, This is as good of a team as the last three years. And you can't help but get excited when you see what the Bucs are doing in terms of their game-to-game. And they blow out Miami. They win by 17 points. And it, it wasn't close in the second half. 
The second half was pure domination. Milwaukee won the third quarter by 13 points. They won the fourth quarter by 11. Um, and, or no, actually, yeah, 11. I can count. There we go. And they held Miami also to a grand total of 39 points in the second half after allowing 64 in the first half. So this, like I said, guys, like, it's okay to be really excited about this Milwaukee Bucks team. I think everybody is. I don't think anyone needs my permission to be. But you shouldn't be scared of Brooklyn. I said that on a review on Saturday. And I said, if you're scared, we don't want you. And while it's aggressive, I do kind of agree with that. Because I think that you should feel the utmost confidence against the Brooklyn Nets. Are they scary? Yes, they have Kyrie Irving. They have Kevin Durant. They have James Harden. Joe Harris has a lot of like Fred Van Vliet, Jay Crowder vibes to him, where it's like Joe Harris could be the guy that buries the Bucks here. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bucks are good enough to play with these dudes. They've beat them twice. Yeah, they didn't have James Harden, fine. And the last game, it was just, they weren't entirely there yet as a team chemistry. They hadn't molded themselves just yet. And they're still kind of learning. And now they're there. Now they've passed the class. I don't know if we can say the same thing about Brooklyn. I don't know if we can look at it and say, Brooklyn is exactly who we think they're they're going to be. And they're, they, I don't think, have peaked. And I know that's kind of scary. You're like, wow, holy shit. Like this team, if it peaks and figures it out, it's incredible. But, you know, I don't want an injury to happen. I, I want everybody to play a clean series. I want the Bucks to win in whether it's six, whether it's seven. I want them to get it done. But that injury bug is lurking, right? We saw it with Joel Embiid yesterday um, in Philadelphia's loss to Washington. Embiid goes down with knee soreness. And it has been a real problem in not only this playoffs, because you've had Anthony Davis also now. He's going to miss game five tonight. Um, but you've also seen it the whole year and you've seen it with the Brooklyn Nets and it always is going to lurk around the corner and if it doesn't still what's going to happen when they're actually facing a good team like right now Boston I know they beat them one game but Boston is bad I mean they didn't have Kemba Walker or Time Lord Lord on Sunday and they got absolutely embarrassed they had no rim protection Kemba Walker no you know was not there on the perimeter so Kyrie was able to cook and Boston was putting in G League guy after G League guy. I mean, Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, and Jabari Parker all should not be playing in the playoff game. And I think they were on the floor at the same time. So that's where Boston is right now. And so for that point, it's like Brooklyn, Brooklyn's gonna face a whole new monster in Milwaukee. Like this is not it won't be Boston anymore. And I do think that plays for the Bucks advantage, especially in game one. And we, we talked about, you know, how important game was to the Miami series. I think it's just as important in this series because you're on the road. They'll be in Brooklyn. I think they'll probably be around 15,000 fans. I think you'll actually have a pretty decent Bucks contingent in there because I think a lot like Clippers games in LA, I think you're going to get some opposing fans. Brooklyn, remember, had trouble selling out their 15,000 allotment um, last 
last playoff series. So that that says everything about where Brooklyn is. Now Giannis also has a ton of fans. Uh, as Gre- had, there's a large Grecian population in New York. So there is also that factor as well. So I, I think you're going to get a full house. I think Brooklyn uh, Bucks-Nets is a premier series. It'll be a series ABC, TNT, ESPN all want to feature prominently so that's why i think you're going to get an evening game for bucks nets on saturday at least i hope so i have a, i have afternoon plans so i'm like i'm begging the nba to please put it on at about 7 30 because i'll be i'll be home or i'll be able to get out to the bars and and watch that game and i think the bars with the mass mandate falling off and everything like that i think the bars will be on absolute fire uh that night with bucks nets um so i'm happy for them i'm happy that they'll be able to recoup a bunch of bunch of money because that'll that'll be like nfl sunday sort of shit for for the bars but anyways not to divert but that game one i think is so important because i don't think the nets are going to be prepared for what milwaukee is ready to bring and i i really could see the bucks winning by 10 points or you know just sort of coming out and surprising brooklyn and it did take the Bucks a little bit of a time to get comfortable in their series against Miami, but it, it, what you know, hopefully you'll have a week with. So you lose, lost Dante Divincenzo, which I guess we could talk about too. Um, you lose Dante Divincenzo, so you have a week now to practice. Everybody kind of gets recovered, you know, any sort of nicks and cuts and things like that. Get a few days off. I'm sure the Bucks have not practiced. In a couple days, I would imagine today they're probably getting back to work. They actually kind of got a Memorial Day weekend, um, which isn't isn't common when you're in the playoffs. But the Bucks have a lot of time off, so I'm imagining that they're now going to be back in practice, and so they'll be able to work on stuff. They'll be able to start, you know, diving into the Brooklyn tape, starting to learn things, and I just think they might be more prepared in game one because Miami kind of made them ready. Miami, while not good, Miami's not a good team. They're still a physical team. They're still a playoff team. They're still a team that is going to challenge an opposition. And so um, I think the Bucks are way more prepared for this series against Brooklyn than Brooklyn is. And I don't know if Brooklyn will be ready to handle that adversity. Like, what happens if Brooklyn goes down one game? Are they going to respond with flamethrowers and beat the Bucks in game two? Probably. This thing is probably going six or seven. But who knows? Maybe not. Maybe maybe the Bucks get that one too, and then it's 2-0 headed back to Milwaukee, and the Bucks have won six straight playoff games. It's possible. I would not put it past anything. This has been an unbelievably unpredictable NBA year. So I would not put anything past. And is there a potential that the Bucks have a lot of rust, rust in game one? Maybe. But the fact is, is they I actually think more rest in the playoffs long-term works out. So yeah, maybe that rust does show up in the first half of Nets Bucks. But at, in the long run, if you're going to go six or seven, I think you'll see that week off play into game six, even game five, game seven. And that's where I think you'll really start seeing what the Bucks got out of that basically week-long hiatus. We talked more about Brooklyn than we did the sweep. So let's do a little bit, just kind of put a bow on the series itself. Um, Giannis Kumbo did not really shoot that well. He mostly made everything inside. Um, he was one of 16 from three. 
Um, I, I'm not going to tell Giannis to stop shooting. I think Giannis should do whatever is comfortable. But I do think that maybe the pull-up game for him is just not going to work. And he should be working on maybe a little more of the mid-range game. Maybe, you know, pulling up a little bit further. I know that's not a great shot. I know that's not what Bud likes. I know Chris Middleton has sort of a reprieve to do that. Um, but I do think you need a little bit more from Antetokounmpo outside of the paint. Because I do think you're going to have Team Sag and dare him to shoot and we'll see if Giannis can kind of figure out ways around that um that turnaround jumper that he has that's been falling more and more that he's been trying now I got for two or three years that's deadly so if Giannis can do that a little bit more or just a jump stop so he's not gonna charge I think just Giannis has to improve just a little bit Really good series for Chris Middleton. Um, he was excellent in uh, game four. Uh, he was excellent really this entire series. Uh, I think Chris Middleton has you know developed into a solid number two um, with him and Drew Holiday, I think, kind of switched that number one and two position. Uh, not a great holiday game on Saturday. He was 4-12 from the field, uh, but he did have nine assists. He did have six rebounds, four steals as well. So yeah, he, he filled up the stat sheet, even though he wasn't really doing it much on the offensive end. Brooke Lopez continues to be a key cog for this Milwaukee Bucks. I think not enough people in the national landscape. I think locally we get it, but nationally, I don't think we've talked a lot about Brooke Lopez and his impact and how he's reinvented himself yet again. He had this three-point stretch for a while and now Brooke Lopez has become a guy in the post and he's really hard to deal with because you have to worry about Giannis. So if you're worrying about Giannis, then that opens it up for Brooke Lopez. You look at that Brooklyn series where Brooklyn doesn't have a ton of size. Yes, Brooke Lopez might be too slow to play defensively, but he's going to be a really tough thing to deal with offensively. There's not going to be someone right there for Brooke Lopez to deal with. And, you know, put a bow on it with the bench. Um, you know, Bryn Forbes has been incredible. He had seven threes on, on Saturday. Bryn Forbes has been as much of a six man as Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis has been really good too. Um, Bobby Portis had 13 points in the game on, on Saturday. And, you know, P.J. Tucker is P.J. Tucker. I love P.J. Tucker. Um, he is probably my favorite buck right now. Um, I love Giannis. I mean, Giannis is the standard, right? But I just love how P.J. Tucker plays. I love his attitude. Um, I kind of love just the way he sort of co is a coach on the, on the court. And he talks about the team and the dog comment. I love that he's like kind of out at the clubs. I talk about it probably too much, but I love to hear that he's out in the club. Like I saw a picture of him at Stenny's grabbing wings. Like I love that shit. Like I, I just think that the fact that he's embraced and ingratiated himself into the Milwaukee culture makes him one of ours more than anything else. And I think that that's part of it as well. So. I kind of went through went through just some quick hitters on them. Oh, Pat, you know, Dante DiVincenzo being out, so real bummer. I think you're going to feel it a lot in this Brooklyn series with Joe Harris. And the Bucks are just going to have to figure out rotations that work. Um, Pat Connaughton only played 22 minutes, even though he started. Um, P.J. Tucker and Brid Forbes both played more than him. So I think that says everything you need to know. Pat Connaughton's going to start. But I don't think Pat Connaughton's part of your closing lineup. At least I hope not. Because if he is, who oh boy, Bucks Twitter, Bucks Twitter will be hot to trot. But let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, let's hope we are 
talking about another Bucks uh, series victory when they go to play Brooklyn, starting likely on Saturday. It will start on Tuesday if uh, Brooklyn somehow loses to Boston, but I highly doubt that. All right, so today is August or June 1st. I don't usually like putting the dates on my podcast because I realize that you guys don't always listen to it on there, and I don't want you guys to feel like you have to listen on the actual date because I think you can listen to it a couple days later, especially because we have no Bucks games here in the near future. Things might change with the Brewers, and that might be the only thing that it, that becomes outdated. But June 1st is a big day for a lot of reasons. Um, it's a big day for Green Bay Packer fans because Aaron Rodgers is now, the cap number has changed. It makes it easier to trade Aaron Rodgers. It also is the day that the mask mandate has come off in the city of Milwaukee. And I didn't think like people will be throwing parties for this, but um, Loaded Slate has a mask off party tonight. Um, I'm not going to be there. You will not find me there on a Tuesday night. Um, that is real degenerate shit. Where, and also too, you can shoot your mask into a basket and get a free shot. So that, I didn't realize that people were going that far in with it. I thought that it would kind of just be this slow sort of build, but I guess we're, I guess we're doing it. I guess we're, we're going all the way in, um, which is crazy. Um, But that's here nor there. Um, It is June 1st. And so the Aaron Rodgers news is a big one. And it's big for the sense that, yeah, it changes his cap. It also does free up some money for the Green Bay Packers to maybe make a move, say like a Richard Sherman, a Melvin Ingram, if they wanted to sign somebody. Um, the Packers do have a little bit of alleviation with the cap. But I don't think anything's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Matt Schneidman wrote a story over the weekend saying Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. Uh source close to him said the Packers are not planning to trade him. Mike Florio, I thought, I, look, Mike Florio is easily, what would be the best way to describe Mike Florio? Mike Florio, I, I, there, we need to figure out a way to call it, but he's so unpredictable. And that I will just simplify it to say he's so unpredictable. You really never know what you're going to get. I guess it's like reaching into a bag of Skittles or a Starburst, right? And pulling out whether it's one of your favorites like pink or one of your least favorites like red. That's my personal Starburst take. I'm sure you have others. But that's kind of what Mike Florio is because sometimes he's awesome. Sometimes he really writes stuff that I think resonates with me and that I agree. And then sometimes I think he writes just terrible clickbait articles. The former happened this morning when Florio basically called out like, yeah, it makes sense for the Packers not to trade Rodgers. It makes sense for them to let Rodgers sort of play this out. And if Aaron Rodgers really wants out, he needs to openly say, I want to be traded. He needs to put Julio and say, I want to be traded in the media or having someone write up a story for him and not have it be sources, not having it be one of his buddies, not having it be John Kuhn, not having it be James Jones. And that's where everybody thinks Rodgers is calling a bluff, right? They're calling his bluff. And I think it's a really smart thing for the Green Bay Packers to dig their heels in. Make Aaron Rodgers the bad guy here. Make Aaron Rodgers the one who might quit on this team. Because if Aaron Rodgers walks away from this team, just so we're clear, this is a Super Bowl contending team. It's one of the best rosters in football, okay? So if Aaron Rodgers walks out on this team for petty bullshit, just remember 
that he's walking out on a chance of that Super Bowl. Sim- simply put, that it, he is letting his ego drive that more. And that's why I've more trans- transferred to Team Packers than Team Rodgers. Because if you look at what has been done for Aaron Rodgers on this roster, it is as good as any roster in all of football. Now, I've said it a hundred times. I will say it again and continue to beat this horse. I do agree Aaron Rodgers should have been briefed. I heard what Alex Smith said. At first, I was like, why is Alex Smith talking about this? And I realized he was part of the Mahomes transition. Completely missed that on me. No one called me out on Twitter because no one follows me. But the fact is, like, I do think that, and Alex Smith said the Chiefs were really transparent with him. They told him everything that was going to happen. And, and it just speaks to a young GM who didn't know better who probably wanted a Ted Thompson moment and didn't think through the ramifications. I I fully think that's what happened with Brian Gunacoust. I've said it a hundred times. There's now 101. Um, I'll probably say it again sometime when a new Rogers news breaks. But yes, that was a bad decision. But we all, we all fuck up, right? We all make dumb moves. We all do stuff that we regret. And whether it's a long-term regret where it's something that is brought up a year later or something immediate. I'm sure we all, if you know, you're know you in a relationship, I'm sure you might have stubbed your toe this weekend with your significant other, right? It's a long weekend. You see him a lot. How, how can you not? Maybe, you know, and, and that's okay, right? Like That's fine. That's healthy. And so I, I just want Aaron Rodgers to kind of understand it and I think he does I think he's kind of letting them bleed out but the more that Aaron Rodgers kind of lets him bleed out the more he's starting to look like the asshole because this is a this is a Super Bowl contending roster this is a roster that can win the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers should just look at everybody and say all right we're doing this one more year I'm gonna be all in I'm going to be doing it for my teammates. I'm going to be doing it for Coach LaFleur. I fucking hate all of you guys. I don't want you guys to talk to me. I I just, let's not acknowledge each other. Let bygones be bygones. And then in the the offseason, let's look to trade me. Because I, I just want out. And if we get the Super Bowl, fantastic. If we don't, it's just another, you know, skin on my, I can't win. And that's what it'll be. And they'll take one more one more stab at it. Now, Florio mentioned like the Packers would trade him to an NFC team. They won't. Trust me. They will only trade him to the AFC. And whether that's Vegas, Miami, Denver, who knows. But Aaron Rodgers should just go one more year. And in a lot of ways, I, I think that's where we're headed. I think that's where we are sort of gearing ourselves to is that Aaron Rodgers, kind of this last dance, Michael Jordan-esque. Now, he's not as good as Michael Jordan. No one's good as Michael Jordan. But that's, I think, where this thing is going. I think we are rounding sort of second to sort of see this. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm not going to be be playing, but we'll do one more year. Because I think it would help everybody for Green Bay to move on in the you know end of the year and maybe something gets better maybe at some point Rodgers realizes you know what why am I doing this and why why is this happening and maybe that that changes and I and Green Bay could could also see it that way too right so I don't think anything has 
moved. I don't think there's any new developments. I think, remember when Rob Zmofsky was like, oh, June 1st, I'm going to be by my phone. I'm going to be ready to go. It's like, no, Rob, nothing's fucking changing, man. They're going to wait this out, and they're going to let Aaron Rodgers be the bad guy. And if Aaron Rodgers wants to be a bad guy, great. But they're going to let him sort of change the narrative. They're not going to change it. Let's talk about the Brewers quick and then ride out of here for this Tuesday. I told you guys uh, last week a couple times, I was like, look, the Brewers schedule gets easy. And they can start looking at this and saying, all right, let's get fat. And the Brewers, and I said, hey, finish up May 4-1. and one. You're then only three games three games under 500 for the month of May. That's That's fine. Well, the Brewers now have a chance to be one game under 500 if they win tonight against, or they are, I'm sorry, May ended. It's June. We're in June, baby. They, they finished, they swept that. They won five straight, and they're 13 and five for the, 13 and 15 for the month of May. They were eight and 15 at one point. So the Brewers made up those five games with this five game winning streak and finished with a fury they weren't able to play on friday they got rained out in washington they swept their doubleheader amazing start by freddie peralta in the afternoon and then in the evening you had the brewers doing just enough and their offense really coming to life um they they kept you know kept hitting and really got to the nationals bullpen and they win six to two and then they beat scherzer on saturday or sunday and brandon woodruff outpitched scherzer Avi Garcia hit another home run. I think Avi Garcia is an all-star. And then they walk it off against the Tigers. They didn't really play that well in that game. The Brewers couldn't really hit. Um, Corbin Burns, I didn't think, had his best stuff. But they did just enough. Willie Adamas, home run. Luis Urias comes through with the big hit in the 10th inning. And now the Brewers are won five straight. They are, I think, three back, one and a half. No, I think they're three back of the Chicago Cubs. Who've had a, who had an awesome May um, and had, I think, the best May in baseball. So the Cubs are rolling, which is fine, which is okay. That That's fine. It's going to be probably a fight to the finish as it's been the last few years with the Brewers, Cubs, and Cardinals. And the fact is, is like the Brewers finally are starting to sort of see some offensive production. And I think it helps that the Brewers haven't had a ton of injuries. I know Lorenzo Cain just went down. He's probably going on the IL, and it again speaks to, and you hate to sound like a broken record, but David Stern's missing that Lorenzo Cain was going to hit this decline is a bad look for him. It's just tough. But on the in the inverse, Willie Adamas has brought so much to this team. I talked about it last week. Um, he guy's just a firecracker. Guy just has sparked a lot of things in this offense, and the Brewers aren't feel good. And Christian Yelich. Yeah, still hasn't really found that power stroke yet. And I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for that hot streak where all of a sudden it's like Christian Yelich has 10 or 11 home runs. But as long as Christian Yelich can kind of get on base, I think we're good. I do wonder if he's a little too patient. But the Brewers are starting to find themselves a little bit offensively. I think Avi Garcia, you know, having 11 home runs. I think Avisel Garcia is an all-star at this point. I think he's he's played that well um, in the outfield. And we're sort of seeing that real power that Garcia always sort of had available. And he's definitely flexing his muscles this season. Omar Nevarez has been great. I mean, Omar Nevarez has insurance home run on Sunday, and he, he's he been fantastic. So the, we're starting to finally see what the Brewers can do. 
and I and I have mentioned that yeah, this is this is a very fortunate schedule for Milwaukee. They play the Tigers again tonight. Now Matthew Boyd, good pitcher, um, and Eric Lauer, been really good this year. I've been kind of on this Lauer island. Um, not that anyone else has challenged me on it, but I. I think what people don't understand with Lauer is he's been really good this year besides one inning against Philadelphia. If it's not for that one inning against Philadelphia, Lauer's been incredible all season. Um, and so I, I think Lauer deserves a little more credit than he's been getting. So he's on the mound tonight against Boyd. Boyd's a good pitcher. Um, so that that might be a challenge. Then Brewers get a nice little Wednesday off day, which isn't uh, which isn't common for sure. And then they, then they go and play four against the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks have been struggling mightily. They've barely won any baseball games over their last sort of two or three weeks here. And that's a, another opportunity for the Brewers. I heard Tim Allen say, "Is it would it be reasonable to say the Brewers need to go four and two the rest of the week? And I, I'd, I'd agree with Tim. I, I, think that's, I think that's fair, right? You have one in the books. Now you play the Tigers again tonight. And then you play the Diamondbacks for four. I think it's reasonable to think the Brewers should win three out of four and then maybe be able to beat the Tigers. I think if you're 500 this week, it's kind of a disappointment, right? It's kind of a disappointment when, or no, if, you, if they lost the Tigers tonight and won three out of four, that would still be a four and two week. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Brewers. I, I, I do like what I've seen so far, and I think it's been it's been a really good week. Now Devin Williams was down today or yesterday. They said it was he just wasn't feeling it. I don't know if he was hungover. <laughs> Could have been right. Like spent a little too much time out, but yeah, wasn't a wasn't a Devin Williams day. So hopefully that's just he was under the weather or was just not feeling feeling up to snuff. And then today he's gonna be ready to rock and roll. So Brewers Tigers tonight. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll I'm sure get into more more Brooklyn Milwaukee stuff. We'll know for sure if Brooklyn's the team. We'll look what happens with Brewers Tigers tonight and anything else that comes down the pipeline. All right, take care, Tappers. Have yourself a great Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye.